0: taking a bit of a departure in the Morning Glory Project today because we're tilting more toward a political angle than I usually do, although lots of our guests have political intentions and their decisions and life choices are made in a political context, and we always here advocate for the rights of people to make choices The topic of abortion specifically is one that I know has overtly political aspects to it. And that's not usually where we go, but this one, we just have to. I am so moved by Jessica Pritchett's story that you're about to hear. And I also want it said that In the context of what has gone on recently with Supreme Court decisions, the tragic choice that Jessica was forced to make would not even be available to her in many states today. And boy, it just doesn't get more personal than that. So you'll indulge me, I hope, as we discuss a very sensitive matter of pregnancy, of medical privacy, of body autonomy, Body sovereignty, and I hope that you'll listen to Jessica's story with an open heart. Thanks for listening to The Morning Glory Project. Today I welcome to the microphone at The Morning Glory Project, Jessica Pritchett. Now, Jessica and I encountered each other in an unusual way for me in The Morning Glory Project, and often I get referrals from friends or from publicists or authors that I know but in Jessica's case I read her story on Facebook and it was such a personal and such a heartfelt post that I reached out to her because I just simply had to talk to her. Most whether or not she was interested in becoming part of the Morning Letter project I was just interested in talking to her. And so Jessica I reached out to you because your story was so personal. And in light of what's happened in our country, we're recording this in July of 2022, in light of what's happened recently with Supreme Court rulings and uh, the backward turning of the clock in terms of women's bodily autonomy rights and medical privacy rights, I just felt compelled to reach out to you and to have you tell me a bit about your story. So thank you so much for coming to the Morning Light Project. Thank you for having and me. So tell me a little bit about your life before 2018. Your, by the way, Jessica is Jessica and her family are sort of like the dream family of America, right? Jessica, you're a <laughs> fourth grade teacher. Your husband yeah. serves in the in the Army. U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. Is he a career fellow? That he's been yes. there for some time. Yeah. So you're yeah. a military family, a military wife, and serving kids, teaching fourth grade. So you're sort of. America's dream family, in oh, lots of ways. So, <laughs> tell me about your your life bef- around 2018. Where where were you, and right before that?
1: Um, well, we were struggling uh, to get pregnant for a very long time. Um, we actually found out before we were married that I my clock was ticking, um, is what my doctor said, and he said we needed to try immediately for um, was a Was that child. because of age? Um, no, it's because I have stage four endometriosis and endomyosis and I've had several surgeries. And, um, so he just said that my eggs were, you know, not going to last very much longer. And, um, so you started out
0: knowing that getting pregnant and having a family might be a big challenge for you.
1: Yes. Yes. And we tried for five years, um, on our own and, uh, it was heartbreaking. I spent many days sitting on the bathroom floor crying because I had a negative um, test. And uh, we decided to finally reach out and to our doctor and forgo fertility uh, treatments. And so um, we started doing fertility treatments and going through IVF. Um, and we uh, did our first round of IVF. Um, that round consisted of so many, so many needles, um, so -hmm. many different kinds of medications to get my body ready. Uh, there were several times that they said, this is going to be the month. And then they'd call and say, nope, your eggs aren't ready. It's not the month. Mm -hmm. We'll try again next. So that
0: was just, that was just about harvesting eggs so that you could then Mm -hmm. later use them for in vitro fertilization. You know, I, I mean, let me pause here for just one second. I've known lots of couples and and certainly women that have struggled with infertility issues. And I just don't think I've ever known anybody that wants a child more than somebody who is struggling through this, you know, willing to put your body, your psychology. It's so torturous to mind, heart, and body to go through this. And so there's this craving. You wanted a child really badly.
1: Desperately. Let's just say it that way. We desperately wanted a child.
0: So then in in 2018, tell me about that.
1: Um, We did our first round of IVF and um, they were able to get my eggs. And then uh, we had several embryos. um, And then my body was finally ready um, to implant one of those embryos. Um, And it turned out to be successful. Um, and we fell pregnant with our baby girl, Isabella, Isabella Grace. Um, Mm. and I, it was the happiest time in my life. I, we just were so beyond happy and, um, our dream had finally came true. I mean, we, we thought, we thought at least it had. And,
0: um, and then things changed. And now tell, tell me about that and And first of all, Jessica, you and I spoke privately about this, but I too have lost I lost a pregnancy at six months, was pregnant with twins. The anticipation of having a child and then having a disappointment is just such it's it's a heartbreak like no other. and and I kind of consider. You, a new woman in my life, uh, as a member of a club that nobody wanted to be a member of, you know, that that there's this secret society of women and couples that have lost children before they're born. And it's a tragedy. It's just such a heartbreak. So tell me what happened with Isabella.
1: Um, So everything was going great. She was such a healthy baby. And then um, at 18 weeks and three days in utero. Yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) I always call her my baby in utero. Um, She was growing well. And um, at 18 weeks and three days, I went to um, my um, maternal fetal medicine appointment. I had to see high risk doctors. Um, So it was time for me to see them. And uh, I had informed them that I had had um, some cramping and um, some things going on that I wasn't sure um, was, you know, um, right. And so I asked them to do an exam and when they did, they found out that I was, I was already three centimeters dilated.
0: Which is way too early for that to be the case. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and so they, um, immediately hooked me up to a contraction monitor to see if I was having contractions and they found out that I wasn't. Um, and I didn't want to go home. I, I told them I was not going home because, um, I wanted to opt for a surgery to, um, place a circlage around my cervix.
0: So that's essentially where they, they put a band around the cervix so that it stops dilating to kind of keep the baby mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. To and try to hold so the baby you, in place. You, you didn't want to go home. You were willing to do anything to protect this pregnancy yeah. and to protect this um, little baby. And yeah. so you did. And then
1: what? yeah. Um, the surgery they couldn't. They couldn't tie a band around my cervix because I didn't I didn't have enough cervix for them to do so. and um, I went back to my room and I was devastated. I was just crying my eyes out because I just in my heart I was so scared and then about two hours later, my water broke. Um, <laughs> devastated that devastated me and I had to call my husband because he was on his way to take care
0: of our dogs. And,
1: and he was scared because we didn't know if if Isabella was going to come right then or what that, what that meant.
0: And at at this point, if she were to be born, viability would, she, she would not be able to live outside of your body.
1: No. And at this hospital uh, viability was 24 weeks. And so they were, were, I was only 18 weeks and three days um, when this started. Um, and they were pushing for me to abort her, um, from the very beginning.
0: And I just couldn't, um, I, yeah, I want to pause there for one second. When, when they say they weren't pushing you to have an abortion, they were saying this baby is not going to make it. It's healthier for you to end this pregnancy. Yeah, they. I, I don't they want just, to sound like so you were being coerced into an abortion.
1: No, they they just were trying to look out for me. They said my life right. was the number one priority, and so they were telling told, you that your
0: life could be at risk.
1: Yes, and they, I, I, I didn't listen at first, right. and I waited two weeks. I thought in the hospital for my daughter um, until I developed a life threatening infection.
0: So you just thought if I just stay in this hospital and lay on my back and stay on bed rest, that I might be able to keep this baby inside me long enough for her to be viable. And yeah, that just I, I just didn't to want
1: to face. listen. No, I, I couldn't, my heart couldn't listen to what the doctors were telling me. I I, I just couldn't process it. Like the, the place that I was mentally, I, I struggled. And, and so I, um, it wasn't until I had a fever and my white blood cell counts were extremely high, and they did an exam, and they found that I had, and in fact, I had a life-threatening infection. Um, and they told me that i i had I needed I needed to induce labor at that
0: point. And to and you knew then that to induce labor, you had a child that could not live outside the body. So you knew, in all probability, this would be the end of your pregnancy the end of this child and, and that she it was she was only saving. 20 weeks yeah at that point and and um so so first of all i'm so horribly sorry for the agony that i know that is and What a horrible choice to have to make to be somebody who wanted a child. So, so badly put your body and your mind and your marriage and your pocketbook and your time, all those things through so much to, to achieve this. And then to have it lost is, is a tragedy that, that doesn't have a name. So I'm sorry that you went through that. So ultimately they needed to induce labor.
1: Um, my husband begged me to sign the papers, and so I finally did. Um, I consented, and uh, and they induced labor, and it was I was in labor for two hours. Um, I labored that entire time, knowing that she that she wasn't going to make it, and that's just like a turmoil. I just um, my heart was just broken, and. It was so hard to push.
0: Well, it's hard enough to go through labor if you know that there's going to be a a child at the other end of it, but to know that, and and I know this particular pain, to go through the physical and psychological agony of labor, knowing that there will not be a baby at the end of the process is just an absolute heartbreak. So you made this choice. It was a medical choice between you, your doctor... Your husband, and then life and goes on. She was born, Yes. So tell me. So when, when it, so Isabella was born, not living. Yeah. Uh, she was. I, I. What they the term they used for me was fetal demise. It's a terrible term. I've never I liked know. that. Um, but stillborn. All oh, there's all kinds of yes. other terms. But essentially, you gave birth to a what looked like a perfect child only tiny yeah. and but she but she never breathed a breath outside of your body no no ma'am so of course your and your husband was there with you on our website we have a beautiful photograph of him consoling you and the two of you with your child so yeah. tell me then of course there's a grieving process and then it was Life goes on. You go back to teaching. Your husband goes mm-hmm. back to work, and you still want a family. Yes. Yeah. So
1: and we um. So the first thing that I had to do was um have a surgery um to where they went through abdominally and uh, tied a trans abdominal circlage. So it's a circlage that's at the bottom of your uterus and at the top of your cervix, and it's permanent.
0: So they were making it so that you could possibly conceive again.
1: and and carry and carry a child full full term. Um, And so um, after I had that surgery in August um, of 2019, um, we started IVF again. Um, We did a second round and it it wasn't successful. Um, The embryo didn't take. Um, And then our third round resulted in our beautiful baby boy that we have, who is two years old. Um,
0: tell me, and tell the me tax his name, is so David. adorable.
1: Brantley. Brantley, Brantley William is his name.
0: <laughs> so all of this work, I want to share the happy ending and then I want to hear, share the unhappy ending too. So first of all, your little boy is fine and help, healthy yeah. and happy and wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm Thank so you. you know, people that wanted babies so badly <laughs> become <laughs> very doting parents. And so I'm yes, sure he's he very is our adored. World.
1: <laughs> Yes,
0: <laughs> I'm sure he's very <laughs> adored so in you have a family you have your son and in light of what happened with the supreme court uh, recent the recent decision to overturn roe v wade you chose to post your story about isabella online and that's why i wanted to talk with you the tragedy that you have endured is hard enough it's just full of pain and anguish enough how how did you get through it? How, what did you, what kind of resources did you and your husband use to endure this loss and to move on through and to stay dedicated? Cause a lot of people would have given up after all of that.
1: Yeah, it, it was hard. We, we knew that we had to rely on each other or else we were going to, to fall apart. And he was a huge support system for me. Like he just was always there for me um, no matter what he's, very caring and very loving as you could tell in that picture. Like he just was yeah. my rock at that time. And I also, also sounds
0: like getting through it with each other.
1: Yes. in therapy. I, I needed therapy. Um, and I, I still go to therapy um, and talk about my daughter and it, you know, it just, her death doesn't just stop. And um I, I wonder about her all the time and what how she would be growing up now and who she would be and, and things like that. So therapy, family, friends, um, and teaching, teaching is my, I love it and I love my kids so much and they keep me going. Oh,
0: wonderful. Well, so after posting this online, I, I, I'm guessing and tell me if I'm guessing this wrong, uh um, Jessica, but I'm guessing that you thought when you posted your story that you would get a lot of support from all kinds of people, but that wasn't what happened. What, what happened as a result of your posting this story?
1: I got a lot of hate, a lot of cruelty, a lot of backlash. I was wished death. Um, I was told my daughter was better off dead. Um, I was told, I hope you never have children. You know, I was called a murderer, disgusting, disgusting murderer. Um, and there's a lots of other things that people just hateful things people have said to me. Um, and that's been hard.
0: Well, and, you know, I don't want to give those voices any credence at all. Um, while I have respect for people who choose a pro-life stance because of their own spiritual beliefs and that they can act on that in their lives, as well they should. Everyone should act according to her own ethic around such things. It's hard for me to respect somebody who says that they're pro-life and then they attack a mother who's lost a child. It's hard for me to, to respect somebody who claims to be pro-life and wishes death on you it the incongruence and hypocrisy of that to me nullifies any any argument and and uh, i'm a strong believer in a separation of church and state and personal freedom body autonomy autonomy medical privacy and so those seem like the, the deepest most personal decisions to make and you and your husband and your in accordance with your doctors made that choice, not without consequence, not without sorrow, but you made that choice. They couldn't respect that choice for you, where it sounds like if they had chosen differently, if if you knew of a mother in the same circumstances who said, I simply can't, it's against my values, and she were to have passed during that, it would be a tragedy. But my guess is that you, how would you feel about her choice?
1: I mean, I, I believe every woman... Has a choice. And I believe that I should respect their opinion and their belief just as well as somebody should at least be respectful of mine. And even if that means just scrolling by and not saying anything at all. Right. um, Right. So. Yeah,
0: have your judgment, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So. So here you are, um, a young mom (laughs) or a mom of a young one, I should say. (laughs) You've got your little boy you're raising and your teaching that you're doing and your husband in the military and all the things that normally have. And then you're getting this kind of extra pile of judgment and scolding. And um, I don't want to call it threatening because it doesn't sound as though somebody threatened to do anything to you specifically, but menacing behavior, menacing words at the very least.
1: Yes, it, it's been very hard. And I actually did have one threatening message to where he said mm. that he wished that I lived closer because he would get his female friends to take care of me, basically. And <sighs> uh, it's just um, disheartening. And I've, I've cried and cried over these messages, but the outpouring of love and support That I've received from others have way surpassed the hate that I've gotten. Like I, I never would have believed my story would have went viral and I didn't believe I would have so many women reaching out to me and telling me, thank you for sharing my story. Because by sharing my story, I, I shared theirs in in a way.
0: Well, and, and Jessica, you were, Your particular story is one kind of choice issue. When when we're dealing with the issue of pro-choice, yours was a medical choice because of the danger to the life of the mother and the likely inviability that Isabella could have ever lived outside of your body because it just wasn't going to be possible. So that's one kind of choice. And I don't want to imply to any listener that I think that's the only time that a woman has, right. has a choice. I think that these are the deeply personal decisions that one makes with herself, with her medical team, with her partner, if she has one, with her God, if she chooses to have a relationship in that way. So yours is just one of the choice. And it's one of the most obvious ones to to most people, even, even many people that are that are pro say pro-life I've never liked the term pro-life I'm very pro-life <laughs> I'm very pro-baby I'm very pro-family and all of those things but I'm also pro-choice so how are you getting through now so it sounds as though the the people reaching out to you in a positive way has done something up has there been some healing for you in that And some restoration of yeah
1: uh, I um you know having people reach out and tell me thank you and how much my story means to them and just being able to talk about Isabella and having other people say her name like i can't mm-hmm. express to anyone like how much that means to me and to hear her name to see her name to know that others heard her story like that to me is so therapeutic Um, Mm. because in a way my daughter is getting to live on through that. And, um,
0: and that's what I go off of. Mm. Well, you and your husband have shown yourselves to be devoted to each other and devoted to your little boy, and I wish you every single kind of health and happiness as you continue as a family. I'm sorry for your loss. And I'm also buoyed in a way by the fact that you're getting more people reaching out to you with thanks and gratitude than you are with scorn and ridicule. You know, I keep, I keep reminding myself, I'm going to confess something here. And that is that I've always believed that there are more good people in the world than bad. In recent years, it's been hard to keep that belief (laughs) because (laughs) bad behavior has been on such grotesque display from violence to dishonesty, to corruption, to all kinds of terrible things. And certainly attacks on someone like you make it hard for me to believe that there are more good people in the world than bad. But I always have to remind myself that while there's more good than bad in the world, bad has better publicity Mm -hmm. bad gets on the news bad gets amplified in social media and I think it's worth reminding ourselves that the telling of your story yes it did bring some bad results and I'm so sorry for that and seems like it brought a lot more good it did It, it, it really did So I'm very glad to be sharing your story further here for Mm -hmm. listeners.
1: And I thank you for that.
0: Well, I'm I'm honored, truly. I wish you every kind of joy and every kind of health and every kind of happiness in your next chapters. Thanks for sharing your story with me. Thank you. I'm in such deep admiration of Jessica for sharing her story first online and publicly for the purpose of inspiring others, even though it got her some flack, it also got her a lot of positive feedback and support too. And I want to emphasize that. In, in the last part of my conversation with her, I talked about that. It, it's been tough to have a positive outlook on how on human beings lately because there's been just so much. There's been just so much awful behavior, so much cruelty and dishonesty and violence and just ugly human behavior but it's really vital for me to remember that for each of those horrible stories there are thousands of invisible good ones now let me say this though (laughs) that doesn't take away from the fact that I'm legitimately angry that rights are being taken away that we're turning back the clock that we're stripping half of America's population of rights that I believe to be their own. Rebecca Traister wrote a book called Good and Mad, and that's how I feel about this. I feel mad. I feel deep, deep anger, and I'm gonna use it for good. That's my dedication. I'm not just gonna just fume and let it eat me. I want it, let it be fuel for me to activate in private ways, and perhaps in public ways, too. That's my extra bloom. Wherever you are, however you are dealing with what you're angry about, I hope that you are using it as fuel, as, dare I say, fertilizer in the garden to bring about the blooms thanks for listening to the Morning Glory Project. Take good care.